So far in our series, we've gone from discussing life to relationships to property, and now we turn to communication. The Ninth Commandment declares, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The term used in Exodus, shakar, means lying or untrue witness. The term used in Deuteronomy, shav, means empty, vain, insincere, or frivolous witness. The same word that is used in the Third Commandment, which forbids an empty, vain use of God's name. Join us as we discuss the differing views of the same problem, communicating wrongly about our neighbor. Welcome to the Full Dig Podcast. I'm Pastor Kirk Sexton, your MC. And I'm Bruce Johnson, your non-MC. That's right. You are you're the talent, Bruce. <laughs> Am I now? Yes. Well, we are at episode nine. Can you believe it's nine episodes? And people are wondering, are we going to continue to do this? I don't know, at least through episode 10. Because <laughs> there are 10 commandments. Right. But we have talked about continuing doing the podcast for the upcoming series, if you're willing, Bruce. I mean, I, I'm you, willing. You seem hesitant now. No, no, no. I'm just trying to... It's a big uh, commitment. It's a big It is ask. a big commitment. It is. So we'll, we'll see. We'll do our best. All right. Good. I think that people have been enjoying this, and, and I think it's been a good supplement to our midweek study groups and any of those people who are enjoying the sermons as uh, we deliver them on Sunday morning. And it's been fun for me, Kirk. I've been learning new things about the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd never done before in depth was look at the original languages of the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus versus how they appear in the book of Deuteronomy. Mm. I didn't realize that there were these uh, numerous small, slight changes that yeah. add some depth to our understanding of what's going on in the Ten Commandments. Well, and our listeners have benefited because we have shared that learning. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we talked last week and the week before about when you compare Exodus chapter 20, the first telling of the Ten Commandments, with Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second telling of the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. that uh, there are these subtle changes that happen as the new generation, the generation that was born in the wilderness, uh, the one that is going to go in and conquer the promised land, they're given the Ten Commandments because they were not there when they were first delivered. And in the second telling, when we get to the second tablet, as Pastor Steve calls it, the uh, list of the last six commandments that all deal with relationships between people, we have the conjunction and that's added and connects all of those last six commandments together. Mm -hmm. And so we see that again with the ninth commandment in the Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, it reads, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 20, you have the conjunction and, or vav in Hebrew. So it's neither shall you bear false witness against your neighbor. And Kirk, do you remember in Pastor Steve's sermon this week, he mentioned that there's a range of meaning to the Hebrew word false, that yes. false witness. Yes. So he talked about it not only meaning false, it can be translated as empty, vain, and worthless, and probably a couple of things. Just like any 
word in any language has a range of meanings. Mm -hmm. So this Hebrew word, the Hebrew word used in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16 is shakech, shakech, um, false. Mm. Am I saying that right? I'm, I'm you know, I looked uh, in the original language Shakir. too, and I did not get to the Shakir. Pronunci- That's it, Shakir. Yeah, Shakir. Shakir. Shakar or Shakir? Shakir. Sometimes it's uh, Shakir and sometimes Shakar, depending on the uh, context. Uh, hmm. There's slight variations in, in Hebrew, depending on if it's used one way or another, which we won't go, go into at this podcast, but uh, to know that. The interesting thing is when you come to the book of Deuteronomy, it uses a different word for false. Mm. And there it's shav. And shav primarily means emptiness, nothingness, vanity, Mm. and then also false. Mm. So the word for false used in Exodus primarily means false and then has a range of meanings, including emptiness and vanity. This word that's used in Deuteronomy primarily means emptiness, mm. then has a range of, of uh, false and nothingness and so on. So I thought that was just interesting. It really emphasizes the point that Pastor Steve was making about we don't want our words to be meaningless or empty. We want to say what we mean and mean what we say. Good exegesis by Pastor Steve. Excellent, I would say, mm-hmm. yeah. And I thought it was also interesting when we look at how the Ninth Commandment is refashioned in the curses that are um, set on Ebal and Gerasim after the land is conquered in the book of Joshua. When you come to the commandment about you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor or you shall not lie, sometimes we uh, paraphrase it that way, mm-hmm. uh, in Deuteronomy or uh, in uh, the, the commands that are to be shouted from Ebal and Gerasim, uh, which are listed in Deuteronomy chapter 27, and then later on in the book of Joshua, we say that they fulfilled these. It is, cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road, then all the people shall say amen. Hmm. I thought that was interesting because it really emphasizes the fact that lies affect people. Uh, And that's what uh, Pastor Steve's sermon really zeroed in on. And that's exactly what's being stated here as... uh, that new generation is going to say, yes, we're going to live this out in our lives. Well, and I read, too, that they're related. All these are kind of related, too, because lies can lead to murder and lies can lead to adultery and lies can lead to a lot of different things that are escalations, really, of of how um, we deal with our neighbor. and And life is complicated enough already. Mm. Who needs all that added to it? Right. And there is the, I'm sure we'll get to that, but there's a lot to honoring our neighbor's good name. And, yes. And how we use um, words uh, can affect somebody, can harm our neighbor. So all those have a lot of, uh, you talked about the fabric last week of the the Ten Commandments all kind of, weaving together in this uh, second, um, did he call it the second tablet? Steve did call it the second tablet, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Uh, so several weeks ago, you may remember, Kirk, that I was at uh, Arizona State University for the COFAS conference, a conference on faith and science. Mm-hmm. 
And this year's COFAS conference was all dealing about uh, the sciences and virtue. Mm. And we had marvelous scholars from across the globe that were uh, either in Tempe physically or joining uh, online from different parts of the world, different continents, talking about the what's the relationship between the sciences and virtue. Mm-hmm. And in the first presentation, I was involved in the second presentation Saturday morning, but the first presentation on Friday night were four very eminent physicists, and they're all, ta- all talking about the sciences and virtue. Mm. And the virtue that they zeroed in on was honesty. Mm. So uh, as they're talking about that, one scientist, one of these physicists said, well, you know, there is a website that's based on or dedicated to scientific papers that have had to be withdrawn mm. because there were some problems, either plagiarism, mm. but more often lying, mm. falsifying data. Mm. So I said this site, and I believe the site is retractionwatch.com. Yeah. So on just one day, one person had to withdraw 110 scientific papers in a single day because they're all falsified data. And so these physicists are talking about this and they says, without honesty, Mm. the sciences fall apart. Right. So again, that idea that you and I have talked about, that it's the whole fabric, Mm -hmm. uh, they all tie together. Yeah. Um, They all, the virtues tie together. And also when we're trying to do things to encourage human flourishing, including the sciences, Mm. we need honesty. Right. uh, As a vital component. And Pastor Steve talked about how there is such a lack of trust. Yes. He mentioned a number of things where you can't trust the government, you can't trust the media, you can't trust social media. You know, who can you trust? And it's because this culture is full of lying. It's it's almost like there isn't this virtue of truth-telling that is part of our culture anymore. It's not honored, it seems. There's an expectation that if somebody's telling us something, we have to question the veracity of it. Yes. Uh, most assuredly, and, and that's not a good place to be. Right. Well, he focused his sermon uh, text on the Matthew uh, text from the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew five thirty-three through 37. And that says, again, you have heard that it is said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, let your word be yes, or your no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. So I thought that was uh, interesting that Jesus was talking about this idea of swearing, and Pastor C mentioned that in ancient times you could swear on well, one that really stuck with me is you could swear on your beard, which seemed exactly, and not all of those oaths that you would take two thousand years ago would be legally binding. Mm. So uh, again, you, somebody says something to you, they swear it. Well, 
Can you really trust that? All these different shades of meaning. And another fun fact from Hebrew, the way that you make a superlative in English is usually adding E-S-T to the end of a word, strong, strongest, for example. But the way that you do a superlative in Hebrew is you double a word. Mm. So shalom, which means peace, shalom, shalom means perfect peace. Mm. And Jesus would say, truly, truly. Exactly. So here Jesus is saying, let your word be yes, yes, Mm. or no, no. In other words, absolutely yes, or absolutely no. Don't try to shade your words for advantage. Don't try to tell white lies so that it's more advantageous to you. Mm -hmm. Just say what you mean and mean what you say. Yes. It's interesting with, uh, if you look at Hebrew scriptures and even the New Testament, there's many scriptures and stories that talk about lying yes and or bearing false witness i think about jezebel who you know you remember that story of uh, her husband was whining and and she uh, what was his nabal right nabal has the vineyard but anyways she he's whining i want this vineyard and she says i'll line up false witnesses yes to speak against the owner of that vineyard you remember that story and then our lord jesus is he is being brought before the sanhedrin they can't find witnesses to agree and they end up getting false witnesses to convict him so so to speak in both instances uh, nabal because of the false witnesses he's put to death and Jesus, because of the false witnesses, is put to death. Mm. Yeah. And you see that fabric then of the of murder, of yes. killing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how these all come together. Well, Pastor Bruce, we've had a feature every week on our podcast related to archaeology. And now I I can't imagine you could have found anything on archaeology for uh, that would speak to you know, bearing false witness or telling the truth. Well, au contraire. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's a very famous examples from Egypt. If you ever have a chance to go to Egypt and see the great uh, monuments, uh, not the uh, pyramids, but further south in Egypt, what they call Upper Egypt, uh, a place called Karnak. When e- I go yes. to Egypt, Bruce, I want to go with you. <laughs> okay. I think that would be a fabulous trip. Well, we'll see if we can do that one of these days. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Karnak and Luxor, those are places where they have a lot of uh, this great big temple at Karnak. And it was built by a succession of pharaohs. And uh, the pharaoh that would complete a building project would have uh, his name inscribed in a little cartouche, which means you have this big oval, uh, stylistic oval, and have the name of the pharaoh. Well, when Ramses II is around, he starts to uh, do some rebuilding, and he carves those cartouches a little bit deeper, erases the name of the previous pharaoh, and puts his own name there. Uh, There's even this famous example, I don't know if it's Ramses II or another pharaoh, but does that. And um, uh, one of the builders that's doing that, what he does, he does a mixture of, um, you know, manufactured stone, like uh, stone dust that he's mixed into some concrete or something like that puts it up knowing that it will wear away in about 100 years (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's is, awesome. And then is able to say, well, yeah, you know, somebody did something not quite right here. Right. Uh, so there's this great debate among Egyptologists about, okay, why is this going on? In some instances, you have pharaohs that had done something that was uh, verboten, uh, by, uh, considered verboten by uh, succeeding uh, generations, like uh, the pharaoh that was a woman, Hatshepsut, mm. and also the pharaoh that was a monotheist, uh, Akhenaten. So oftentimes their monuments have been destroyed and their names have been wiped away in that kind of ceremonial way. But with Ramses II, that's not what's going on. Right. He's, it, it's almost like he's taking credit, or some Egyptologists um, uh, interpret this as he's taking credit for the work of others. But in any case, you have lying going on that's uh, preserved in these ancient monuments. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, it's uh, like as old as these commandments are, uh, the sin of lying and Falsehood and uh, bearing false witness is, uh, well, it's alive and well, isn't it? Yes, and uh, of course, we who follow Christ, we're trying to encourage good in one another. We're, you know, the Ten Commandments are good rule of life, so mm -hmm. we want to encourage truth-telling, veracity. Um, say what you mean and mean what you say. Right. And the eco-essential tenets, uh, I think, speak well to that. And uh, we've been sharing those each week. You want to tell us about what our tenants say? Certainly. Uh, again, the eco-essential tenets, that's the document that all pastors and elders and deacons who are ordained in eco say that we, are, we will abide by mm -hmm. this statement of faith. And it ends with a summation of the Ten Commandments saying good rule of life, so we want to encourage good things one another. And when it comes to the Ninth Commandment, what we're trying to encourage in one another is to pursue truth, even when such pursuit is costly, and defend truth when it is challenged, recognizing that truth is in order to goodness and that its preservation matters. Uh, really nice and succinct way of combining a lot of themes that we see in Scripture mm -hmm. and in Reformed theology uh, all in one place. One uh, of those... Uh things that we've talked about in previous podcasts was uh, proper communication. And this seems to be sort of a commandment that's focused on how we communicate in, our, in a neighborly way. Yes, we've talked about healthy communication being direct, uplifting, and two-way. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we say uplifting, we don't mean that we should say things that are untrue, mm -hmm. but you can say things kindly. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to say, uh, hey, Kirk, um, your breath stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you could phrase that a different way. You could sure. say, hey, hey, Kirk, you know, I, I've noticed, uh, did you brush your teeth this morning? Did you forget to brush your teeth this morning? <laughs> yeah, so, some, a, a softer way to enter into a topic like that, right? Right, right. Now I'm, I'm feeling really subconscious. I did brush my teeth today, Bruce. So. I'm so glad to hear that. I brushed my teeth too. So <laughs> good. Well, uh, we've also looked at each week our eco confessional standards, and one of those uh, that we've looked at each week is the Heidelberg Catechism. 
Do you want to uh, read that one? Sure. And this is a shorter summation uh, in the Heidelberg Catechism. It says, what's required in the Ninth Commandment? That I do not bear false witness against anyone, twist anyone's words, be a gossip or a slanderer, or condemn anyone lightly without a hearing. Hmm. Rather, I am required to avoid, under penalty of God's wrath, all lying and deceit as the works of the devil himself. In judicial and all other matters, I am to love the truth and to speak and confess it honestly. Indeed, insofar as I am able to defend and promote my neighbor's good name. Hmm. So a very positive way to talk about all that, I thought. Right. And it also adds a little more in this answer, the expansion of the impact of this to include uh, gossip and slander. And um, I also, we mentioned earlier, the honoring of one's good name. Yes. And also the phrase, uh, we don't want to condemn anyone lightly or without a hearing. Mm. You know, get the facts before you jump to conclusions. Right. Yes. And that would be, again, that idea of healthy communication. Uh, You could go directly to the person and say, is this true? And if we don't go directly to a person, that's often called triangulization, right? You get... You want to talk to Sue about something, but you go through John. Why do you go through John? So that John would tell Sue, why don't you just talk to Sue directly? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this campus, uh, well, our church should be a no triangle zone, right? No. No triangulization zone. Well, we need a sign. No triangles. You know. That's, That's right. what we need. Yeah. Um, and uh, and maybe uh, people are catching on to. This uh, language that maybe we can get T-shirts made that say "Speak well, speak good, speak directly, speak directly," something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think we got something. Now we can begin to, you know, we'll have the podcast swag. You know, the things you can uh, you can purchase online. The T-shirts from the Full Dig podcast. We could develop a whole line of products. This could be a a real good moneymaker for us, Bruce. Well, that, that's right, I suppose. I mean, for the church. For the church. We'll set up something for some some good cause. I'm that seeing, might be fun. I'm seeing hats, cups, <laughs> you know, uh, coffee mugs, T-shirts, all that. All that. All right. Yeah, well, and I, everybody I, needs, you know, a good gift idea, you know, so this is... I, I think we better go on to uh, more from the confessional standards before okay. we get in trouble here. Let's look at the Westminster Larger Catechism, uh, question 144. The question says, what are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? And the duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between people and the good name of our neighbor, as well as our own appearing and standing for the truth and from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth, and only the truth in matters of judgment and justice and in all other things whatsoever, a charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities, freely acknowledging of their gifts and graces, defending their innocence, 
a ready receiving of good report, an unwillingness to admit of an evil report concerning them, discouraging gossips, flatterers, and slanderers, love and care of our own good name, and defending it when need requires, keeping of lawful promises, studying and practicing of whatsoever things are true, honest, lovely, and of good report. That, that really stretches it out. Yeah. That different context to, to think about that. I love the pairing of flatterers and slanderers. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. It's just as bad to um, say something that's untrue that is favorable about, about somebody as to say something that's untrue that's non-favorable to somebody, not favorable to somebody. Right. How would uh, one, it says, and covering their infirmities. How would you take that to mean, how would we apply that in our neighborly duties? Well, uh, we see that if somebody has done something to harm somebody else, their friends may want to minimize that, and that may cause further harm. Mm. You know, we, we've seen that with uh, people that are abusive in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no favor to them or anyone else if we um, try to cover that up. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that the, the tragedy that comes out of trying to cover up uh, things where people have done wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes we are encouraged to speak up, and other times we are required to be silent. And notice again the repetition that we saw in the Heidelberg Catechism of the good name of our neighbor, Mm -hmm. that that needs to be a value Mm -hmm. in our lives, not only our good name, but the good name of other people as well. Yeah, that's a very good practical thing. Question 145. What are the sins forbidden in the Ninth Commandment? The sins forbidden in the Ninth Commandment are all prejudicing of the truth and the good name of our neighbors as well as our own, especially in public adjudication, giving false evidence, suborning false witness, wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause, outfacing and overbearing the truth, passing an unjust sentence, calling evil good and good evil, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous and the righteous according to the work of the wicked, forgery, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just cause, and holding our peace when iniquity calls for either a reproof from ourselves or complaint to others, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously to a wrong end or perverting it to a wrong meaning, or in doubtful, equivocal expression to the prejudice of truth or justice, speaking untruth, lying, slandering, backbiting, detracting, gossiping, whispering, scoffing, reviling, rash, harsh, and partial censuring, misconstruing intentions, words, and actions, flattering, vainglorious boasting, thinking or speaking too highly or too meanly of ourselves or others, denying the gifts and graces of God, aggravating smaller faults, hiding, excusing, or extenuating of sins when called to free confession, 
unnecessarily discovering of infirmities, raising false rumors, receiving and countenancing evil reports, and stopping our ears against just defense, evil suspicion, envying or grieving at the deserved credit of any, endeavoring or desiring to impair it, rejoicing in their disgrace and infamy, scornful contempt, fond admiration, breach of lawful promises, neglecting such things as are of good report, and practicing or not avoiding ourselves or not hindering what we can in others, such things as pure such things as procure an ill name. That is a lot they draw out of that, isn't it? It does speak to how far-reaching even this command is. And, and I think the things that it lays out are only possible if we love the truth. And we think of Jesus' declaration, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. Um, we love the truth, and Jesus is truth itself, truth embodied. Mm -hmm. And because we love Jesus, uh, that's a window for us to be lovers of the truth. And then all of these implications about what does it mean to love the truth? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to how we uh, think of ourselves, how we think of our neighbors? What does it mean for our interaction um, in business, interaction with relationships, our interaction with our friends, talking with them, with our relatives? to be lovers of truth, to really have that deep in our character. Mm -hmm. uh, we will stand up for the truth because the truth is worth defending mm -hmm. and the tr truth is worth living out. We have, as a regular feature, our C.S. Lewis quote of the day. And what do you have for us this week? Well, I thought I would draw from a popular story of Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm. You will remember, Kirk, that there are four children involved, uh, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Mm -hmm. And at one point, uh, Lucy finds her way into the magical land of Narnia. And then later on, her brother Edmund finds his way in. And afterwards, Lucy is so excited because she has uh, now a witness right. to what's been happening, somebody that convinced the other two siblings that there really is a land of Narnia. Right. And uh, so in chapter five of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we have Lucy saying uh, with great excitement, Peter, Susan, it's all true. Edmund has seen it. There is a country you can get through to the wardrobe. Edmund and I both got in. We met one another there in the wood. Go on, Edmund, tell them all about it. What's all this about, Ed, said Peter. And now we come to one of the nastiest things in this story. Mm. Up to that moment, Edmund had been feeling sick and sulky and annoyed with Lucy for being right. But he hadn't made up his mind what to do. When Peter suddenly asked him the question, he decided all at once to do the meanest and most spiteful thing he could think of. He decided to let Lucy down. Tell us, Ed, said Su Susan. And Edmund gave a very superior look, as if he were far older than Lucy. It was really only a year's difference. And then a little snigger and said, Oh, yes, Lucy and I have been playing, pretending that all her story about a country in the wardrobe is true. Just for fun, of course. There's nothing really there. Poor Lucy gave Edmund one look, 
and rushed out of the room. Edmund was becoming a nastier person every minute, thought that he had scored a great success, and went on at once to say, There she goes. What's the matter with her? That's the worst of young kids. They're always... Look here, said Peter, turning on him savagely. Shut up. You've been perfectly beasty, beastly to Lou ever since she started this nonsense about the wardrobe. And now you go playing games with her about it and setting her off again? I believe you did it simply out of spite. I think that's a great way that Lewis describes to us how lying affects our character. Right. He was getting nastier and nastier because he gave in. He, 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 in a very determined way, says, I will lie about this because it will, feel, it will make me feel better, or, you know, some other reason, a real right. selfish reason, right. and began to just uh, eat, eat away at him. And his uh, siblings, who know him well, spot right away what's going on, that they don't understand that there really was a land of Narnia, at least at this point. If you understand what's going on in Edmund, and that it's not attractive at all. You know, it was very telling. He called this the na- There's a lot of nasty things that happen in this story, but he called this the nastiest. Yeah, it's of the worst. Things. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Another feature of our podcast is Kirk, you always bring something from our Reformed heritage. The Reformed quote comes from Reformed theologian Alphonse Malot, and he writes Only one becomes truly a liar. In the Old Testament, when one seeks to deceive the other, to lead him off into false ways, or when one seeks publicly the eyes and ears of others to give a false image, the lie, the truth, is relational. That's a great quote. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and Pastor Steve mentioned in the sermon that this Ninth Commandment is the first one to mention neighbor. Mm. It is relational. It's intentionally uh, described as the relationships between ourselves and our neighbor. It's not just that we lie in some uh, antiseptic way uh, that's all by itself. We lie always in relation to other people. Mm. And it affects our relationship with other people. It affects us and it affects them. It affects society. That's a great quote. Mm -hmm. Well done. Well, how should we uh, pray today? Well, uh, you found for us this uh, prayer by John Bailey, who's the author of a classic devotional book called A Diary of Private Prayer. And I would like to read one of his prayers, if I could. Sure. So let's use this as our closing prayer. Let us pray. Dear Father, take this day's life into thine own keeping. Control all my thoughts and feelings. Direct all my energies. Instruct my mind. Sustain my will. Take my hands and make them skillful to serve thee. Take my feet and make them swift to do thy bidding. Take my eyes and keep them fixed upon thine everlasting beauty. Take my mouth and make it eloquent in testimony to thy love. Make this day a day of obedience, a day of spiritual joy and peace. Make this day's work 
a little part of the work of the kingdom of my Lord Christ, in whose name these prayers are said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you.